Welcome to Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkgaard. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of Valerie, her guests, and callers. Now here's your host, Valerie Kirkgaard. Hey, I am your host. I am here. You know, it's really exciting here to be here. The date is <clears throat> September 29th of 2012, and boy, has this world been moving along. You're listening to Waking Up in America's Our American Cafe, dynamic radio dialogues on life today in America. And thank you, C.W. Wright, for inspiring that. The big guy's back! Make a noise, big guy. Good morning, everyone. <laughs> Great <laughs> there to be you back. Go. So we want to thank our sponsors, Emergency Management Solutions, also known as EMS Global One, Sir Jason Winter T. Um, and Tad Patterson is back, and we're changing the website. He's, uh, we're adding a new banner ad for what Tad's up to, and he's into helping you get your legal matter, matters sorted out. Also, protandin is pulsing through my veins again, and I'm very happy to have that stuff back. I ran out of it because I wasn't feeling that good, and I started double-dosing myself. <laughs> so CW is back, too, our producer and vice president who's been on special assignment, and, of course, you can't extract anything out of the guys like Mr. Close Lips. He's the best person in the world to tell a secret because he wouldn't even give it up under torture, I'm sure. So um, we just love having him here. There's a lot going on with the Republic. We'll fill you in on some of that today. Our president has been we believe, unjustly incarcerated, and we know pretty much why he's there. We're not going to discuss all of that today, but we're going to discuss, uh, we'll, we'll, t- we'll let you know about what's being done and, and how you can help in that. The guy's terrific, and um, he's doing the time for all of us. One of the things that happened in last weekend, um, after the Saturday show at 5, I get up at 5 for that, and we do the show, and then we, my my daughter can't, had come in from New Mexico, and we we did some more special stuff that we'll talk to you about that had to do with planting my sisters in the ground in Cambria. So we're asking torchbearers and people that believe in justice and the republic from all over the world, those people are beginning to come together, and they're gathering, and we ask you to light your torch for freedom and awareness and the standards held by all bearers of this 2,000-year-old flame. And the Olympic torch is Sitius Altius Fortius, which is swifter, higher, stronger. You don't have to go out and fight anybody. You don't have to do anything. You just clean up your own house, clean up your own life, and live by the Ten Commandments, and you're going to find out that your life begins to rock. Some days it doesn't feel like it's rocking. It feels like you're crashing and diving under the table, you know, and how are you going to survive all of this. But you keep in on that, and you're going to see things happen. And we'll talk to you more about that. Bob Costa of the Home Shopping Network says we're doing radio, which will change the world. Thank you, Bob. That was the nicest thing to say. Visit our site and sign up for our newsletter and share us with your friends. And um, we're just so glad to be here with you today. And what we're going to be talking about is, is CW brought it up, and I thought it was a good topic, doors opening and doors closing. Uh, CW, when I say that to you, what do you? What's the first thing you think of? Well, I think about what uh, uh, we go back to our conversation and where that term came from. As we talk about the things that are happening in our lives, and many times uh, something that seems to be negative in our life or something that is not going right in our life, and then all of a sudden it it, it comes to stop or it change. It's starting to change. And what that is, that's, a, that's really a door closing. We may not want to see that door closed, 
a uh, uh, I, I kind of relate it to physics because it's it's a natural transition from one thing to another. But when that door closes, that that energy causes another door to open, or you could say where one opportunity is is lost or not no longer available, another opportunity will exist, and it's not always clear to us. Uh, that that's a good thing, but almost every time it can be a very, very good thing for us. Interesting. You know, what you said is really, really interesting, and the Chinese, which we know have just been around for thousands of years saying all kinds of smart things from time to time, the Chinese symbol for uh, crisis, do you know what the other meaning of that symbol is? No. Opportunity. Crisis and opportunity are exactly the same symbol in the Chinese language. Talking I did about not opening, know that, but yeah, isn't that, that something? Makes and perfect sense. I live for that. Okay, and one of the things <laughs> I forgot to tell you, I did the thing with um, the good doctor this week, and I went and I, I had my brain waves adjusted. I am so t- sick of telling my pathetic story, right, about what I've been through and this and that, and how I've endured, and you know what a rough life I've had, and things of this nature, and I'm going to have this guy on the air. You're going to love him. His name is Stephen, okay, and Stephen is a referral from my friend Barbara, and I said to her after the funeral, I said to my friend Barbara, I am tired of my story. I just want to evolve. We'll talk more about the funeral later, but I do want to pop in here with the fact that I did neuro neuro reprogramming this week. Have you ever heard of that? Neuro programming. Neuro. Is that a new thing you get with this TV or satellite TV? Or? No, you get it in a cereal box, okay? Oh, okay. <laughs> it's a, a lot of people have heard of biofeedback, okay? And biofeedback actually gives you, it's what, what I believe, um, isn't that what lie detectors are based on is biofeedback? Uh, yes, it is. They are. Okay, so... This programming is what they do is they, it's really kind of funny, they hook up electrodes to each of your ears, and I only have two ears this time around, and they hook up to the top top of your head, and then what happens is that what's going on in your brain, and they're only measuring your brain, is is projected on a screen. And then there's a state, you know, we talk about frequency all the time, but what's the most peaceful frequency or what's the most expansive frequency? It reflects it on the screen of of the computer, okay? I've been talking about how I knew this thing must exist, and this week I found it. So what your brain activity is on the computer screen, and I can't tell you the whole program. I'll I'll let um, Dr. Sidoroff talk about that when he comes on. But here's what happens. You get to see your brain waves on the screen, and then they have little bars under them that measure their activity and where your brain wave fits inside of the whole the whole gishmaz. And I, <clears throat> he pointed out to me on the screen that the brain waves had an irregular pattern at one point, and the job of the neural reprogramming is to bring your brain to a certain set of, um, what do you call it? So you can see it on the graph that it meets, it falls within certain ranges. And so people with anxiety, for instance, of any sort, would be off the scales in certain parts of this. And so what the, 
the neural reprogramming does is that you watch a series of pictures and you hear a series of tones, and the tones actually retrain the brain to operate within a certain period of time. Well, heck, I asked him what the normal amount of reprogramming time would be like, and he said basically about 10 sessions, okay? Well, good Lord, I've been doing therapy for absolutely years. Now, I had a lot of stuff going on, CW. But within a 40-minute period, that area of my brain was actually relaxed, shall we say, by about two points on a scale of, um, you know, between one to ten. Well, I wondered what would happen, what would be like, and I'm way more peaceful. And you were even commenting on me being in a good mood yesterday. My brain's, my brain's holding the attunements that I got on Thursday, and I'm going to reinforce them. And um, I just, I'm so pleased with the results of this because it's very important for people to tell their story, and it's very important for friends and community to come together and we'll talk more about what happened with my sister, my sisters in Cambria and our family because it's absolutely terrific. And when I what I was discussing with the doctor, CW, I said, what makes our brains do? Why are our brains out of? out of balance, so to speak. And what we were talking about is trauma that people have experienced throughout their lives. And some of them have the ability to let go of it, and some of them don't, and people that are great meditators can do that. However, this is a machine that can train people and train their brains, and there's no chit-chat that goes along. There's just a series of tones as your brain is being taught to function within certain arenas. So what do you think about that big guy? Well, I, I think it's good that there is a machine like that because you just mentioned about the, the trauma uh, that affect people's life. I'm a firm believer that most people who have had this trauma don't even recognize it. Uh, they just know they've experienced something, but they don't. They can't pinpoint the trauma, and that's why uh, you're right on when you say some people who are in the meditation get rid of, but they recognize what the trauma is. So they, they know how to concentrate on, uh, in the meditation to rid themselves. Other people go through an entire lifetime not understanding what trauma uh, they do have. They just think they're messed up. And yeah. If, 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 you can, if we can recognize the trauma and, and work on that, either meditate or use some, uh, uh, this machine you're talking about, I think uh, we could recognize the, the door closings and uh, door openings, or at least close that door uh, and let another door open, another opportunity open. Another way I used to look at this is that there, there's incomplete circles in our life, and our, our capacity mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to hold these uh, uh, is great, and if you get too many incomplete circles, that in itself can become a trauma. It's like, a, it's like an onion. You get you get the little problem, then there's another layer of onion, another layer, another layer, and it ends up building up. And before you know it, you kind of forget what's even inside the thing, what, what even started this. So you you got to peel that back. You've got to close the circles. You got to let door close. All the all the uh, doors that are open that are related trauma. First, you got to recognize that, but get those closed so the opportunities or the good doors will open for you. 
Yeah, I was just thinking about I, I think that. that. I think that's fascinating what you're talking about because it, it's uh, if, if we could all learn how to uh, close those doors and and you know, I, it, it's been a quest of mine for mainly all my life because I recognized it earlier. But even today, I get caught up. Just like you, uh, you mentioned, I mentioned to you, you had a great attitude yesterday. But I also said to you, as great as your attitude is, mine is just as bad yesterday. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I said, don't worry about it. You'll get here, didn't I? And and and, and I, I agreed with that. I knew it would. And a lot of that depends on how fast we can grasp what's going on and and not get caught up in the moment. And uh, uh, embarrassingly, I've been caught up in the moments uh, over the last few months, and I occasionally get that, let that get to me to, instead of turning it loose. And that's the other part of trauma. you got to just turn it loose. Uh, you turn it loose, let the door close, and you'll be surprised that the other doors are open. Now, you may not see that door open right away. It's not like a black and white. It's not like you're looking at a picture uh, uh, going from dark to light. Uh, but if the light will be somewhat subtle, that new opportunity will be uh, uh, very, it, it could just come to you by surprise. You won't even know. You won't even be thinking about it, and all of a sudden, boom, it's there. Well, you know, it's that, interesting. Uh, you've, you've, you've gotten rid of that other energy, negative or positive, whatever it is, that other energy is gone, and you've opened up space for the new energy or the new opportunity to uh, enter your life. Yeah, one of the ways you stop uh, stop opportunity from entering your life is by saying no, and you usually say no because you're frightened. Maggie Eastwood was Clint Eastwood's first wife, and I knew her for a while, and um, she liked me, and she asked me to come and play tennis with her. And she told me that she thought I would enjoy it. And I said, no, because I didn't think of myself as a good enough tennis player, okay? But that was an opportunity where I should have showed up on the tennis court, and I know that. And it's not like should, like I was wrong, because I didn't have the freedom or the confidence to accept that door that was opening for me, and I just slammed the little sucker shut. And I did the same thing in Vancouver. My, my, my Annie Cleo started the country club up there with a bunch of her friends. And when she died, the, one of the women from the country club who was, took over my aunt's place invited me to come and play a game of golf, and I said, no, I was too tired. It's <laughs> like whatever it is, if you look back, it's easier to find out the opportunities that you miss sometimes when you look back. Hindsight is always terrific. The point is you can actually use hindsight to open the opportunities of the future because there's many ways to get there. If you like Jonathan Livingston Seagull, if you ever read that book, or Illusions, um, you'll find his work very interesting because what he's talking about in his work is opportunities too. I can't think of his book, CW, but there's a second one that he wrote that has to do with all the different realities that you could have depending upon what decision you make. You know, And then some of the decisions are made for you, right, like Tim. His decision was made for him. Our president, and by the way, no president has ever been arrested before, I think, in the history of the United States. Our president is doing time, I believe it's in Alabama jail, um, and he was like told to come to court for some kind of conference or something like that, and Tim would never miss a court date. And when he got there, they sandbagged him and put him in jail. I 
think he's supposed to be arraigned again next Monday. And right now he's sitting in jail, and we're actually going to be collecting some money for his prison fund. So um, I'll see what I can get posted on the website about that later. I don't have the exact address to send it to, but I'm sure going to send my president some some money for his fund so he can shave and all that good stuff. And it'll be real interesting to see what he pulls off. And James Geiger, um, Senate Pro Tem, is actually the acting president of the republic, and he's doing a marvelous job. Now, there's a door that opened for him. Tim, another door is open, and I'll be real interested to see what he does, does with it because Tim is just an amazing human being. So those are doors opening and closing. sounds like they're slamming a bit, doesn't it, CW? It does sound like they're slamming a bit, and uh, uh, some of them are closing pretty hard, but uh, uh, I think the other doors that are opening, they're opening just as, uh, with, with the same reverence as those others that are closing. Uh, I'm not convinced that they're all, because I see many doors opening, and I'm not convinced we're choosing the right ones. However, I do believe everything will be uh, fine, everything will prevail. Well, the cool thing is we're definitely moving forward. Holy, we're we're moving forward, and, and for a group of people that have been called terrorists from time to time on those who are like very much to close our doors, uh, we've handled this peacefully and elegantly, and and very well. And the I just wanted to give them the website, which is Republic for the United States dot uh, org. And if you go over there, there's actually recordings um, from past calls. Like we did a roundtable call on Thursday. I found it extremely interesting. Um, you will find these calls there. Um, you, the average person who may or may not know how to be inside of the Republican, hear what we're up to, you'll hear them, and you're going to be impressed with um, some of the things you hear. Some of the things will leave you in question. We're learning, too. I just wanted you to be aware of that. And what did you want to say, CW? Well, I just wanted to mention uh, uh, that the Republic has gone to great lengths to uh, demonstrate to the world and uh, America that we're all about education. Mm-hmm. Knowing who you are, knowing your rights, and it goes to back to understanding the history uh, of how we got started. Once you understand how the this country was put together, you can have a very good idea on where you should be and who you are in this great nation. Uh, it, it's never been, now if somebody, if an authority wants to say, well, that's terrorism because uh, we don't want you to know who you, who you are, but they've covered up a lot of things over the years that's in, in the law books uh, for your own benefit. They don't they don't want you to take <laughs> advantage of uh, I mean, just look at the UCC. If anybody ever has ever read the UCC, uh, you'll see a lot of things in there that's to your benefit that they just won't tell you about. And, and even if you try to use them, even if you try and use the stuff in the UCC and exercise your right to uh, the rule of law, uh, you can be uh, uh, turned down there by authorities as well. But it's all about knowing who you are, what this country was founded on, and where it should be going. And a lot of people are beginning to agree with that. I'm sorry that you missed Jonathan Granoff last week. Mike and I did. <laughs> if you listen to the interview, Mike, you there? Yes, I am. I understand Mr. Mike Kelly. did a fantastic Yeah, I'm job. here. He did do a fantastic job. We had an interesting conversation afterwards because, actually, Jonathan Granoff loves um, the rule of law. 
he he likes all of that stuff, and he sounds very different than we do, because his see it's interesting because of the world that Jonathan lives in, he only has two options: he has Mitt Romney or he has Barack Obama, and then he has his relationship to the UN. Um, Jonathan Granoff is the head of Global Security Institute (CW), and what he does is he He's in charge of security and non-nuclear um, proliferation for planet Earth. And he's done, he actually stepped into Alan Cranston's footsteps a number of years ago. I don't remember, probably 10 years ago, eight years ago, something when Alan died. Do you know Alan Cranston? Did you ever, were you ever I've aware never of his had, work? I'm aware of his work, yes, but I've never had the opportunity to meet Okay, well, Alan Cranston was a senator when senators actually got to be senators, <laughs> and I don't think they were all being bought and sold, and he did a lot of great stuff for California. He actually worked with Ansel Adams, um, the great photographer and things of that nature, and did a lot for California's environment, and when he died, CW, um, they had his memorial service at Grace Cathedral in San Francisco, and Maureen O'Crean and I went up there for that, because uh, I was working with Jonathan even back then, because... When you're working in the world, you actually have to work with people that have different dialogues than the ones that you have, and you have to work with what their strength is and what they believe in. So Mike and I had Jonathan on last week for about half an hour, and then we ended up saying, you know, what what worked for us about what he was saying and what didn't, and it was so clear that Jonathan only had the two choices, and he can't stand Mitt Romney, okay? And his, I, my personal opinion is that his, I know it's a funny thing to say about a guy in his position, because this guy is actually just terrific. But I really felt as though his his um, perception of Obama was a bit, um, shall we say, naive. Uh, he's misguided. Um, <laughs> I don't know, have a cup of tea. <laughs> well, I'm going I'm going to sip the tea and, and he's, think uh, of the he, world. You know, Dr. Val, he's a little misguided, but that's okay. We'll, we can work okay. with him. Uh, let me just take a little sip here. Oh, you have the Jason Winters tea. It is the Jason Winters tea, right? No doubt. Yeah, I had, uh, we're going to, uh, in the winter, and I, I, I did some cinnamon tea this morning. <laughs> I did cinnamon, too, because I thought it felt like winter this morning. I drink peach most of the time. You know, I love this you, stuff. You tell people, but they should go uh, uh, look at Jason Winters uh, on the website and, and on online, and it tells about how he created this tea and what it did for him. And uh, we've done this in the past, but let's just add a little mystery to today and ask, ask our audience to uh, go look it up and uh, come back and, and uh, email us and tell us what you think. Yeah, oh, that's such a good idea. And listen, let me tell you something else. Um, it's on the website. It's over on the right-hand column. You can still see Jonathan Granoff on there, too. You can listen to the past recordings. A lot of the recordings we do on Saturday, we'll slip them in on Wednesday so that they can end up on the website and be cataloged. And how you listen to our past shows is you actually go um, to wakingupinamerica.com and it says tune in Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific on air, and then it says click here. If you click there, that will actually take you to the Voice America w- website. We do a teamwork between KTBL and Voice America, okay, so we can get this message out. So all of our shows for the last five years are cataloged there. And C- 
CW was mentioning the J.C. Winter T. If you go over where it says thanks to our, it says right under Obama and Obamacare now, sign the petition. It says thanks to our sponsors. Uh, and then listed on that side is go down four, and you see Sir Jason Winter. Sir Jason Winters, you click on that, takes you to the site, all the information you want. And you do not want to miss the protandin because I really shot myself in the foot by not having a backup on it because it's when I ran out, <laughs> oh gosh, CW, it's really easy to find out how good something is when you don't have it, you know? Like freedom, oh, yeah. also like health. And um, protandin returns your blood to the age of 20. Did you know that? I do know that. So tell and, us really uh, quickly what it's done for you. Me, it put me back in the game with sports and stuff at 72. What did it do for you? Well, the main thing that stood out for me was uh, uh, after you finally got me to try it after several <laughs> months. And Viv put her foot on your neck and said, hey, here, have <laughs> some. It helped me stabilize my blood sugar. And now I did it. And I want to caution everybody, not claiming that it did all the work on its own. You have to work on your blood sugar. There is no magic pill for that. But what it did, it helped me stabilize uh, the blood sugar and that it, I was having uh, erratic levels going up and down. And now whether it fixed something in my body or did something with my uh, pancreas or did something with uh, the way I was uh, uh, eating, I, I don't know. All I know is that I went from uh, nearly, well, I was going from bouncing from 120 to 200, and it, it stabilized at about 130. And then I was able to bring it back down to 120 steadily, a steady Perfect. 120 on a regular basis. And and um, I, I tested it. I quit taking it, and it started bouncing around again. So uh -huh. I could only, my assumption... I'm not a doctor, I'm not a chemist or anything. My assumption is that's what helped, helped me uh, stabilize it. And totally. And what you'll find when you go over there, make sure you sign up and log in and do all that stuff because you actually save $10 a month. This is the best $50, it was about $51 or something like that a month that I spend. And I'm now doubling the order so that I can afford to double up. And I do notice a difference if I'm, got a lot of stress going on for some reason. I'll take one in the morning and one in the afternoon. Anyway, you've got to be in good shape with all these doors opening and closing all over the place, and it's accelerating now. And CW, I just wanted to fill you in on what happened. Jenny came in. My daughter came in from New Mexico. Uh, we did the radio show, Mike and I, last Saturday. We... Jennifer and I actually did a cool thing. We went down to Santa Monica and we rode the Ferris wheel. I haven't had my daughter around much, and it was just so fun. We went to the movies to see Arbitrage with Richard Gere, and then we took a, a walk to the Santa Monica Pier and rode the Ferris wheel and looked all over the city. It was just spectacularly beautiful. And mind you, all of this is happening with very little money on our part. And... That's what made it even more amazing. Because we didn't have the money to just, like, grease our way through it, CW, we had to we had to just kind of rely on faith and trust in the universe. And I wasn't even sure exactly how I was going to be able to afford to get the kids even up to Cambria. Originally, we were going to 
<clears throat> get a hotel room and some money we'd been anticipating didn't come in, so we had to look at what we got. And um, Lon, my first and only husband, actually, I just always call him my first husband to so let him know that um, that I'm free to select another if I so choose. He put $135 into my checking account so that I could have gas money and stuff like that because what we've been talking about, Lon and I are going to be celebrating our 50th wedding anniversary the first Saturday in October. Now, that's kind of unusual for people that have been divorced for 28 years. <laughs> Don't you think? Um, I find it uh, interesting that, that you would put it that way because that's uh, uh, that's a positive way of looking at it. That's As a door that closed, but it well, never... It, but it, 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 but it opened to something really, really better. First of all, his second wife is charming and adorable, Kura. Okay, <clears throat> Kura and I both agreed that sometimes husbands need to have a team effort. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anyway, so here we are. I've got my daughter, my son. We're bopping up to Cambria, and to get up there, we actually have to leave at like five thirty in the morning because we have to put the ashes together. Our plan was to add my sister, Patty, who died in 2006, to my mom's grave, who died in 2003, for my sister, who died August 31st of this year. And the invitation was that Cambria was a good place to root our family. It's a charming little cemetery up there. It's a town that was actually... um, settled by Chumash Indians who are known for kindness, goodness, and artistic qualities, which are just exactly what Cambria is all about. We um, we took ashes up there from all of these different situations. We made friends with the Cambrian cemetery guy, Tim. You rocked him. Thank you for making hard things easy. We had people making stuff hard in our life, and we had people in Cambria making the hard stuff easy. So... It's about family, and it's about going and putting yourself around the right people, okay? Um, James Buckley is the son of Jim Buckley, who will actually be celebrating his 100th birthday uh, this, this, this December. And he started the Pewter Plow Playhouse, where my mom used to be an actor in that and loved to be in the box office with her friends Olga, and she also was part of the Allied Arts up there, which is the art community, and I hadn't seen them, CW, since 2003, nor even talked to them much since then. So I called Jim. I didn't even know if Jim was still alive, and I talked to his son, James, who was totally precious, and gave us the Cambria Playhouse for the reception. How about that? That's awesome. I thought so. And so, <laughs> so here we are. We've got the reception from the funeral in the playhouse up there. We've got the cemetery guy making everything easy for us and being terrific. Um, David Hill, um, my sister's son, is just a remarkable human being. Um, he took care of his mom after she got frontal lobe damage from a, um, an aneurysm. And that was, I don't know if you know what happens to people with that, but they become, they don't take care of themselves well. And... David actually retrained his mother back into life, and so 
she was the pool shark at the local senior center. Uh, Shane had a lot of talents, and they all had to do with winning at things. She was an extremely good athlete. She had a very hard life and an incredibly wonderful son. And she has a great daughter, too. Um, Kelly, who I hadn't seen in a while, she came up there for the event. And at one point, we were standing by the grave. <laughs> I was saying how much I missed Shane. And, uh, but we did it in a kind of funny way, you know, and all of a sudden Kelly laughed, CW. And when she laughed, it was my sister's laugh. It makes me want to cry right now. So it was like Shane hadn't gone away. I mean, that door closed, but what opened up was our family is in remarkable circumstances, and Kelly has Shane's laugh. You know, it's... A, it's you look at stuff like this, and you're glad to hear it again, but then you get to thinking, you know, where was this when we were all alive and together? Where was this uh, at? Sometimes it takes these events or this type of event to realize what you have and to bring out the best in people. And, uh, <laughs> Boy, do you know how to make the point. Uh, that you were able to uh, follow through and uh, complete that. Well, what had actually happened is our family has never, and I don't mean not even for a moment, even with my mom's death or my other sister's death, been as close and as contact. We got pictures all over Facebook. We were communicating. I actually answered one just before the show started. Um, Tim Stromer, Patty's son, is so moved by the fact that we got Patty in with her mother, you know. It's like I saved the ashes from 2006 and brought him over, and now there's a little marker, and it's Patricia Torres, Patricia Stromer Torres, and Shane Coglin Hill. Their little markers are there at the gravesite, and we sent pictures out. I did, there's nieces and nephews I didn't even know existed. So Shane, I want to take this opportunity to say that. The closing of your door was the opening of our family, and I am so moved about what's happening. And we had such, we had fun. We had a really good time down at the Playhouse. And CW, we went upstairs um, to the prop room, and we all put on funny wigs and took pictures. And all of that comes from loving Shane and the doorway that she opened for us in her own closing. So you put on on the wigs, and did you did they have like costumes for you to put on? Have you ever been to? Well, they the, didn't offer us. We just tried costumes and stuff, and threw on wigs and took pictures, and they're on the Facebook page. <laughs> it's hysterical. We we ended up having the best celebration our family has ever had, and then we took the ashes of Pat, Shane, and Mom, because I still had ashes from 2003, and I'd taken Mom all over the world to Drury Lane to. Uh, the fountain of Treby to the foot of Buddha at Lantau Island to the north, you know, China Sea, and sprinkled her ashes around. I love ashes. They're so much fun. We took all of that, and we we went down to Moonstone Bay, which is one of the prettiest little places you've ever seen, and all the rocks have been polished there. They're like little gems. And we waded out into the water, and we tossed the rest of the ashes in the ocean. (laughs) Them and then we loose. celebrated that's on the beach. That's there by Cambria? Yeah. Uh, I was just asking. Uh, yeah, when you, go in, okay. when you go into Cambria, if you made a left-hand turn um, down by the um, 
it says Moonstone Beach there, and you go down there. There's a wonderful park there. It's worth it just to go look at the rocks. Mom and and Richard used to go down there and get rocks and polish them. It's a it's a marvelous place. The only problem with Cambria, as far as I can see, is the 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 pines are dying. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. Well, they're dying in a lot of places because the weather has been so crazy. So what happens is. They don't get enough water, and it weakens their system. If I could get botanned into those trees, I know they'd rejuvenate. <clears throat> so I started thinking about being a philanthropist because I'm in a lot of projects, and at some point I'm supposed to have a, a lot of money to spread around. <laughs> so here's my plan, CW. What evolved out of all of this is I would like to build a desalinization plant in Cambria. Do you know anything about those? You know, I've always been curious why uh, we in America, with the coastlines we have to the oceans, why we haven't built desalinated more dis, uh, plants just like this, so that we could use the uh, ocean water. I mean, exactly. we've got all the out there. Okay, twenty and, years uh, ago, if you wanted to build a house in Cambria. You actually had to go around and get like 20 people. I don't know what it is now, but you had to get like 20 people to agree to buy low-flush toilets before they'd even let you build a house. Reason being, Cambry's always been short on water. And two, 20 years ago, the pine trees started dying, and they die because they lack water, and then they get fragile, and then the beetles come after them. And there's no stopping the beetles. The termites are having a romp in Cambria, too. And I thought about it. I thought, okay, if I'm rooting my family in this place, which I definitely am doing, every, oh, it's cool. People all said they knew where they wanted to be buried now. We had Jerry Hill, Shane's, um, Shane's husband. We had his mother, Mavis, and all these different wonderful people there. And they, they, they want to be buried in Cambria now. And I say, welcome here, because with, 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 um, cremation stuff, you can be buried in a couple of places and everybody gets to be happy. But when I looked at the situation, I thought, okay, problem is here, Cambria's, the beetles are after Cambria, but if you peel that back, you find out that it's because the trees aren't getting enough water. And so that's the truth of a lot of our situation. We see the beetles at work and we say, nasty beetles, let's kill the beetles, but the beetles wouldn't, kind of like maggots don't get to the trash can until something is rotting. Well, beetles right. don't get into the trees. And by the way, I believe Colorado is suffering from the same problem. Maybe Arizona, I don't know. Different trees are being attacked by different beetles. This is a lack of water and a lack of, you know, managing the environment well. So <laughs> I hope I get the money that I think I'm going to get because I want to build that desalinization plant. That would be a oh, very yeah. good project. Yeah, so you know what? I I think that you and I have the possibility of actually being responsible for I want to be a Californian first, I decided. I want to take care of California. I'm part of a national government. I'm a peace ambassador. At the same time, first and foremost, I'm a Californian. And I think you are too, aren't you? I am. Did you hear what so, the uh, governor of California did this week? Or I think it was yesterday. Uh, are we ta- which governor? Are we talking about Jerry Brown or are we talking about our act- acting governor? I'm talking about Jerry Brown. 
Um, I know that he was supposed to sign some peace or some tax legislation into being, and I know that he's getting some resistance on it. But other than that, I don't know. Well, he signed the bill and uh, some legislation creating the first private retirement system for huh. workers in California. Really? It, yeah, I had some other things that, that were attached to it, but uh, uh, California is the first to put together a uh, private retirement system, and, and the way it works is for uh, you'll be able to opt in or opt out, but they'll take 3% of your paycheck. I love it. That sounds actually good to me, doesn't it to you? Well, on the surface, it sounds good. I haven't had a chance to really review it. I'm not too crazy about some other things that were in that bill. but uh, What are some of the other things that were in it that you're not too crazy about? Well, the one I, I, I didn't care for at all, they, he wants to outlaw the open carrying of unloaded rifles and shotguns. No, I don't uh, go for that either. Go for that at all. Uh, the other thing that was in that bill that was really good is that they want to do away with the shackling of pregnant inmates. Now, you know, an inmate might be there for one reason, but, you know, if you have a pregnant inmate, they don't need to be bound uh, because <laughs> you have you have something else that you're taking care of there, and the, no matter what you've done, you need to have the freedom to take care of your body there. And the other okay. thing I liked that was yeah. in that bill is that he's doing away with the uh, regulating uh, regulation of uh, Internet phone servers. Uh, stop what the does state. that mean? Well, it's like anything else. When something starts getting popular, the government wants to step in and do something with it or take advantage of it or they want to tax it. And Internet phone service, as you may know, is getting popular. And what, for, at least for the time being, in this bill, uh, he's barring the state from uh, re regulating it. Good for him. You know, I remember when his dad was governor and I remember when he was governor before. I actually, yeah. I, I actually, <laughs> I met his psychiatrist back in the 1970s and uh, at Metropolitan State Hospital and had some very interesting conversations with him. He's he's a a pretty ballsy guy, actually. Um, I'd love to have him over in the Republic. Maybe we can invite him over and he'll get less oh, frustrated. I can't say I'm a big fan of Mr. Brown, but he does do something every now and then that surprises you. <laughs> Hey, listen, what, what can you say that, um, well, no, let's not get into that conversation. I, I was about to spin off on something else here. There's good people doing stuff all around, and there's stuff we don't like, and there will be, and Brown works inside of a system that I have stepped out of. I got my election thing from the Democratic Party, and do you know where it went? It went in the trash. I just can't be in that system. I cannot... Pretend they're giving me choices, and they're just not giving me choices. You know, let's say I give the city a vote for two hundred thousand dollars for a park, and then I find out that some bum has like absconded with a hundred and fifty thousand of it. Do you know what I'm saying? Exactly. And it's like, uh, you're, the Beatles. You're it's the Beatles are inside of the system. The, the system Beatles is dry. And they're munching in the system, and until we put water in the system, until we strengthen our system, until we get recognition with our system, those beetles are going to chump their bums off, okay? And it's easier to plant a new plant sometimes, which I, the, the Republic is a new plant that's an old plant. 
It's the original plant. We can strengthen this republic and we can strengthen the values of the Constitution and the Bill of Rights and that recognition. This is one of the reasons why they've been talking about stepping out of the secure party creditor system, by the way, CW, because it's part of a, a system that is so corrupt and the bad guys feel as though we've infringed on their territory and they're knocking people around. So I get it. I'm actually decided to send mine back. We were talking about this earlier in the show when we were talking about, when I was mentioning the UCC. The UCC clearly states uh, the uh, position of a secured party. That's where that comes from. And, and like you said, they, they don't want you to take advantage of that. So they no. will do whatever they, uh, uh, they being the current authorities, will do whatever they can to stop you from taking advantage of the law. We ta- I was talking about that earlier. Uh, no, let me tell you something else that's really bugging the heck out of me. You know me. I, I like my marijuana from time to time. It relaxes me, okay? It's also a medical prescription. There were a lot of raids this last week on on marijuana <clears throat> on marijuana dispensaries by the federal government, by the way, even though marijuana is legal in the state of California for medical purposes. So that kind of crap really gets me going, okay? What are they doing when they don't have enough money and things like that, going into states where things are legal and arresting people and closing things down when our state voted for it. Whether you agree with it or not, do you agree that the federal government should have the right to come in and pull this legislation apart? Because they, personally, I think they don't like marijuana because people aren't scared enough when they're on it. That's my personal opinion. It tends to calm you out. Okay? Anyway, that's my little... Nasty well, remark. Of the well, I want to address them. You mentioned about the federal government coming into the state. I do not agree. The federal government does not have jurisdiction in a state unless, unless whatever the state is doing is flying against our constitution. Now, the state well, has since our constitution own... was written on hemp paper, and since our founding fathers grew hemp. And since marijuana comes from hemp, I doubt that that's, that they have any rights there. You go, girl. But you're right. L.A. County, uh, even though it was voted on by the state, L.A. County, what was it, this last six or seven months, rescinded uh, that law in the county of L.A. That's why, you, I don't know if you know, you've seen a lot of closures of these uh I don't know what you call them, the, the centers, the ones with the, you see with the green cross out there? Dispensaries. Dispensaries. Uh, good word. You mentioned that earlier. They they are closing them. They're being closed. And what they did early on when they made a decision, they gave everybody the opportunity to voluntarily close. And now the, those that aren't, the, and they're, they're sticking to their rights, they're going in and uh, forcing them to close. See, I don't even get how Los Angeles can repeal a state law. I don't get how that works. Well, this is this is a problem with many different types of laws. You, you can, uh, uh, counties can choose to do whatever they want as long it doesn't fly in the face of the Constitution. 
uh, same way I just mentioned before. And when we're talking about the the, the rule of law, I'm going to get in trouble here when I say this. <laughs> Go ahead, get in trouble. We're we're looking forward to it. Constitution are two different things. The rule of law is is that extension of our judicial system that was created by the the Constitution. So people would argue, well, that, that is constitutional. Yeah, but it's isolated to just this little area. So there's a lot of gray areas here, and this is why I'm, I'm going to go back to the beginning. This is why history is so important. This is why when remember the story we've talked about this before. Remember the story when Franklin walked out and the lady in the street asked yeah. Franklin what delivers. What did he say? He said, "Ma'am, it's a republic if you can keep it." Okay. Listen to what you just said. He he could have stopped, answered the question, and said, well, we deliver to your republic. He could have stopped with that, but he didn't. He went on and said, if you can keep it. Why did he add those words? A lot of because people he don't knew know. the slimy buggers were going to come in and try to erode it. That's why. <laughs> okay, but... That's one way to look at it. That's not it inaccurate. That's the way no. I look at it, okay? It's and I read in, Franklin's life. You know? it, it boils down to he knew in order to build a republic, it had to be broad enough where it would, uh, it leaves doors open that would allow men and women of greed and no integrity to enter and in fact, what they built and what they but delivered to us. You know why marijuana is illegal, right? Do you know um, how that happened? Yeah, I, I, well, I'm confused about it. I used to think it. I used to say, "Well, they can't figure out how to tax it or make nah, it." Nah, nah, but, nah, nah. Oh, that's it. It has to that's do with I, William Randolph Hearst. Okay, notice liquor, which kills. Thousands of people a year is legal. That's because that lobby, um, they got their way. Marijuana, which has probably been known for possibly one death in ten years because somebody walked blissfully and thought they could fly or something like that, the difference is that William Randolph Hearst had a lot of paper mills, and he was cutting down trees. And the problem is, and by the way, George Washington, as I mentioned, I think, was also a hemp grower, and I think Jefferson might have been too. It, and I mentioned that the Bill of the Constitution was written on hemp paper. It had to do with the fact that hemp grows really fast, and it's strong. It's very, very, very strong. And you can do a couple of crops a year. It was going to put William Randolph Hearst lumbering companies out of business, and he's the one that legislated against that and got marijuana made illegal. He's one of the ones. That has nothing to do with whether marijuana harms you or not. This is kind of like screaming at the beetles for eating the tree when what's going on is much deeper and much more, um, much more what do you call it, greed-serving, okay? This is what a powerful man can do or a series of powerful men. Are you aware of the fact, do you ever wonder why Fred J. Harvey, his name is all over the Grand Canyon? Have you ever been over there or wondered that? Because I did. No. 
I'm not I'm not uh, seeing that great wonder and do not know why his name's all over. So <laughs> me, I'm I was one of those people that drove their moms and dads crazy. Go why 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 why? So my girlfriend Paula and I took a donkey ride down to the bottom of the canyon, you know, to Phantom Ranch, which is down there, and we're talking to the d- docent down there, and I said, so how come this Fred J. Harvey's name is all over the place? And he said, oh, well, he won it in a poker game right down here in the Grand Canyon. I said, I beg your pardon? He was playing poker with Teddy Roosevelt and a bunch of his friends, and Fred J. Harvey won the Grand Canyon. That's why his name is all over there. William Randolph Hearst didn't want hemp paper replacing his lumber, and that's why marijuana is illegal. I mean, let's get down to the source of the Beatles here. The source of the Beatles tend to be powerful men that want what they want and don't give a rat's buns about anybody else. So that's we, well, we got to pay time, attention to uh, these guys. It's time we uh, reverse that. Because hemp, hemp is a much greater, faster, renewable source and we need to start saving our forest and trees from that. Exactly, and and we can put. I don't know why we can't put desalinization plants in uh, along the coastlines. I I don't know why. I think that's because they they like to jack around the water prices. You know, we just got notifications. I think that's a lot like asking why don't we uh, have the uh, use the energy technology that's available. Why don't we use some of the medical technology that's available and we don't use it. Uh, okay, that's another program, isn't it? And it Mike, is. I don't know if you can hear him talking in your ear. He's talking in mine. Our wonderful announcer, he's given us, like, time to get off the air, so we're going to do that. you got one closing sentence, C.W. Get ready for next weekend, Albuquerque. you got the Balloon Festival coming. I want to be there. I want to be there. This program has been brought to you by Kirkguard Media. Our radio partners, ConingCompany.com, Dr. James Murphy, in memoriam. Hey there, Dr. James. And drvalerie.com, and doctor is all spelled out. We thank our producer and sponsor, C.W. Wright of Emergency Management Solutions, Sir Jason Winter T., and Protandon. And a big thanks to you at Voice America, Jeff Spinard, Nathan Jett, Brad Comer, and our friends at Cumulus Radio, Mike Vitale, uh, and Ron Simon, and thank you, Stacy, too. You do such a good job. DeMont, um, you're great at Voice America. Merci beaucoup to Bent Meigen for our theme music, Almost Ordinary People. Next week, invite a friend to listen and write us at val at wakingupinamerica.com. And remember, Sidious Altius Fortius, that's do a mitzvah today. Give someone a boost. And go see the Balloon Festival. You're going to love it. It's just magic. It's absolute magic. Mike, I love you. Yeah. <laughs> Until next week, this folks. Is for you. This is for you and me and who we see when we see each other. This is for all. This is for all the time you tried to find your sister or your brother. And you're not crazy anymore. Thank you for joining us today for Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkgaard. Waking Up in America can be heard live every Wednesday on voiceamerica.com and Valerie welcomes all emails at heavenincorporated.com. This is for all you knew, pouring through, now your heart is open.